The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What are the most successful change leaders of today doing that makes them stand out? Welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership. Our program is produced by the Institute for Transformational Leadership at Georgetown University. We'll explore the inner game of transformational leadership, sharing insights from renowned leaders and faculty from our world-class leadership and coaching programs. Now, from Georgetown University, here is this week's host. Good morning. I'm Kate Ebner, and I'm your host today. I direct the Institute for Transformational Leadership, and it's my pleasure to bring you a show about transformation in law firms, one of the places that we know is uh, most challenged when it comes to really moving through change. Uh, I think of the legal industry as also an industry that has experienced significant disruption in the way that we talk about disruption in the 21st century. So lots of changes happening in the field of law, um, lots of adaptations needed from law firms. And today my guest is a chairman of a law firm who's undertaken significant change, not only uh, rethinking how his firm will move into the future, but bringing people with him. My guest is John Frisch, chairman of Miles & Stockbridge, based in Baltimore, Maryland. Good morning, John. Good morning, Kate. It's great to be with you. John, I'm so glad you're here, and I I know that Miles and Stockbridge is a firm that um, has a an extraordinary history, and I know that you know while you've you've started off in Baltimore, you've actually spread far beyond that. So we're going to talk today about the firm and about where you want to go with it. But I'd like to start by asking you to just tell us a little bit about your background and your your own career. So, Kate, I started uh, at Miles and Stockbridge as a summer associate or summer intern in the summer of 1982. And have been with the firm uh, ever since. Uh, it's uh, it's really been a what's amounted to be a certainly a career long uh, love affair with the firm and its people. And and I've I've enjoyed my all of my time here. Uh, I became chairman about 13 years ago, and that followed um, a career where I spent most of my time doing merger and acquisition work as a business lawyer. Well, thank you for that. That sounds like you have a great deal of perspective about the firm. And I'm curious, you know, just thinking about, I made a statement when the show opened about how the field of law is changing and, and how law firms are needing to maybe rethink their approach. Um, curious if you could just track for us um, what you think has changed. And I'm guessing that some of this uh, started with the recession back in 2008, but um, how how has it looked to you in the past, you know, 10 years? Well, I think there's been significant change in the last 10 years. I think it's the changes uh, come about in really, um, probably the the recession really was the great uh, disruptor of the industry. Uh, It really put a lot of buying power, much more buying power in the hands of clients. You know, up until the recession, uh, the, 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 there was not a lot of deep strategy in the law firm industry. It was uh, really a question of, of quite frankly, uh, simply uh, raising rates 
year in and year out doing a reasonably good job, hopefully a better than good job for your clients to keep clients loyal. But there wasn't, uh, there wasn't much that firms needed to do to differentiate themselves. That certainly changed with the recession and the, the leverage in the client lawyer-client relationship really shifted very dramatically to clients. And clients became much more sophisticated buyers of legal services and looking for a much greater value for their legal spend across, across the board. And, and we're really um, looking at things for the first time um, that led to things like uh, project management, uh, looking at pricing uh, law firm services in different ways than just by the hour. The hourly rate had been uh, the way that uh, law firm services had been delivered and priced for years. So all of this this change really began in earnest in the recession. And I'm curious, you know, you've been in the chairman role at Miles and Stockbridge for 13 years. Um, as a result of what was changing around you, did your job change too? That's uh, yeah. I would yes. I would say my job did change. I think um, I think at a point right right before the recession, uh, the firm really put into place its first strategic plan, its first vision and strategic plan. Uh, law firms, as I said, they were a fairly simple business model, and there was not a great deal of focus on vision and strategy. Uh, on the part of of firms uh, in the in the early two uh, thousands, if you will, late nineties, early two thousands, um, the the recession. As we came to the recession, we had done some fairly intense strategic planning work. All of that really was thrown out the window, though, by the by the effects of the recession. We had planned against an entirely different economy, and so the. The I would say that the recession did a couple of things for our firm. It put a very sharp point on the need to be nimble and the need to, to tack and adjust uh, the way that we had been doing business uh, much more quickly than we had in the past. It put a premium as a leader on communicating and making the case for that to lawyers and colleagues throughout our firm. And then as we entered the you know the recession and it became clear, that really a sea change was under was underway in the in the industry. It became necessary to, um, in my judgment, take a fresh look at the firm, recreate a new vision and a new strategy for the firm that was responsive to the to the big changes in the industry. And so um, I I really felt as a leader that I was called that in my role as the chairman of the firm, uh, I had to to step. Uh, much more firmly into the vision and strategic planning role and process uh, to lead that in light of the changes in the industry. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, it's um, it, it sounds like you've really um, had to step up and um, engage with the firm in a, in a different way than perhaps was needed in the past. And I'm curious, you know, it's, it's now 2016, hard to believe, <laughs> but here we are. And um, I know you're in the process of this refreshing of Miles and Stockbridge, and you know I know you took a fresh look. You came up with a vision and a plan, and um, I had the privilege of working with you on that engagement. So I'm also glad that we have a chance to share a little bit about what was accomplished with the, for those who are listening and who may be interested. But I'm um, very very curious to hear uh, what do you think has changed at Miles and Stockbridge in recent years. I think there's a much 
sharper sense. I think we have a, a very good balance between the professional, the, the uh, practicing law as a profession, but but operating as a as a sharp uh, business. And so I think we have taken a much more business-like approach to the practice of law. I think that we have done a lot of work to develop uh, collaboration across the firm. So we work in teams, we collaborate, we communicate uh, as as team members. I think uh, more 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 than we did uh, in the past. Uh, I think that uh, the firm has spent a lot of time uh, focusing on diversity and bringing some some values to life in the firm uh, that are important. And I think uh, I think equally, I would say that there's been a focus as we've moved into this leadership development uh, process. I think there has been, uh, well, I know that there has been a significant focus on leadership development and on bringing leadership more thoughtfully to bear on the firm. And, and um, you know, th- I love how you just laid that out. It's just very clear sort of different strategies that you've followed. Um, and I love to hear more about the leadership development piece. I mean, one of the things that's been my experience in the work that I do as a leadership coach, I work with many attorneys and, and many managing partners. Um, and I often hear people say to me, you know, Kate, I'm a lawyer. Lawyers aren't visionary, which I like to challenge them on. But I, I know that at Miles and Stockbridge, the firm has developed a vision and this has been accomplished by a group of lawyers. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So, uh, I'd be happy to share that. So, several years ago, I, I guess it's been a little over two years or so ago now, and, and, and Kate, uh, as you know from working with me as a coach uh, in a, several years before that, uh, I had been increasingly concerned about taking a completely fresh look at the firm. So, I began doing my own personal work as a leader uh, to improve my own leadership skills, wanting to have a greater impact on the firm as a leader, uh, because I saw the firm at an interesting place where we had come through the recession in a remarkably strong place, uh, but didn't really have a clear direction or a clear roadmap uh, to take us through the next three to five years in what is becoming an increasingly competitive climate. And also, I think, uh, the, the unsettled nature of the industry really creates opportunity uh, for firms who are willing to kind of step you know, boldly into the future, so to speak. Um, so it was sort of against a backdrop of reasonable success that I thought it made sense to uh, just take, again, this, this completely fresh look at the firm from top to bottom. And I wanted us to be more successful than we had been in the past uh, in, the, in terms of both going through a strategic planning exercise and then, most importantly, um, executing in the wake of it. So in the past, when the firm had engaged in strategic planning and vision exercises, we had come up with a vision or strategic plan that we were happy with, uh, but we had kind of lacked the stick-to-itiveness, I would say, to really see it through, to really follow it, and to rigorously execute. And so I wanted to come up with a process that would not only yield a compelling vision and strategic plan for the firm, but also equip a generation uh, of lawyers and co- and staff colleagues, colleagues throughout the firm, to lead and execute the plan. And so, um, what I did was gather 25 
colleagues in the firm, these were um, existing leaders, some emerging leaders, because uh, we're at a, a place in the firm where we're, we're seeing new generations of leaders emerge. And I wanted their voices very much to be heard and be a part of this. And so brought about 25 uh, colleagues together to come together to do the vision and the strategic planning work together as a, as a, as a cadre of leaders, and then coupled that with some fairly intensive leadership development work so that our leadership team would be better equipped to lead and execute against our vision and strategic plan uh, uh, once that was adopted by the firm. And so we have, the plan was adopted um, by the firm last April is when we, we finished that. We've been, ex- we're in the execution phase of that and it's been very, very satisfying work. You know, as you're describing that, um, John, I'm guessing that for people who are listening, maybe one of the most interesting things is um, is that your determination to actually have a process and a, an approach that would um, not only stick and, and convert into execution, but also um, develop another generation of leaders. And, and we'll talk more about that as the show goes on. Um, I'm curious about something that... Um, you and I have talked about at some length at various points, but I think it would be interesting for people listening to hear you talk about, which is what makes change in law firms hard? You know, what you've just described is so um, exciting sounding, and yet uh, change is hard. We know that as organizational leaders. And what makes it, what may make it even particularly hard in law firms, do you think? Well, I, I think there are a couple of th- things um, that make change very challenging for law firms. Uh, first is uh, that I don't think law firms are typically very deep on leadership. And so it's possible to get through law school, which is uh, essentially, in, in many cases, at least historically, I will say the, 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 law, the law school industry itself is in a state of flux and is responding to these changes. And I'm aware of some forward-looking law schools that are incorporating leadership into their curriculum. But up for the most part, when we came into the recession and then found ourselves uh, starting to be on the other side of it, uh, there was very little leadership education or leadership development that went on in certainly in the professional school context. And uh, law firms, I don't think historically have invested in leadership development in a sustained way or in a way that will truly develop leadership. It's it's often, in my experience, and it's that was certainly true at Miles and Stockbridge up until this recent effort, more of a sort of a check the box, send folks to continuing education kind of seminar, as opposed to sort of the sustained um, effort that I think uh, I think you need to uh, put into developing uh, people as leaders. Um, so the second I would say is that lawyers have some unique psychological characteristics uh, that present challenges from a leadership perspective. So uh, Dr. Larry Richard. Is is a is a really a leading uh, PhD in psychology who has has tested tens of thousands of lawyers, uh, put them through a variety of tests, and his work, which is is I would say widely accepted among uh, law firm managing principals and chairs and leaders that are exposed to his work and see his work. Uh, when we see his work together and talk together, uh, I think we all find that uh, his work, he's really has been onto something and he's been doing this work for years. But his work shows that um, 
lawyers differ from the general population uh, in three kind of three or four kind of key ways. The first is they are much more skeptical than the general population. So if the population at large scores a 50 in how you'd measure skepticism, lawyers score a 90 or a 95. I think that partly comes from training. I mean, lawyers are mm-hmm. trained to find problems. The second is uh, they have a high degree of a need for personal autonomy. And the third is they tend to be thin-skinned and low on resilience. So this makes lawyers you know, challenging as a group to manage. The third piece is that, I, that I've found is difficult, even when you have a, the leadership development uh, piece in place, is that um, the law firm industry is one where you expect your leaders to be producers at the same time. We expect a lot out of all of our leaders. So my, the practice group leaders at Miles and Stockbridge, our office managing principals at Miles and Stockbridge, all have thriving, busy practices. And clients have to come first. I mean, the, it's absolutely critical that we serve our clients and meet our clients' needs on a day-in and day-out basis. That can, can, can create real time and stress and pressure uh, on lawyers that make it difficult for them to both be extraordinary lawyers and to find the time uh, to bring to firm leadership. Those are great examples of, of, of what makes it challenging and, and, um, and yet despite that, you know, it, you've gone forward with a fairly large initiative and I'm curious especially about um, the nature of lawyers <laughs> according to the research that you were quoting. Have you found uh, as you've invited people to be a part of a change process, uh, what's been the reaction? So I would say... Um, the reaction has been really positive after, you know, certainly when we began the vision process, I think there was healthy skepticism. And in part, that was because, uh, well, we've done this before and nothing's really come of it. So in fairness, um, you know, that was certainly skepticism and a concern that we, that, you know, I wanted to meet head on. And so I, I met with each individual individually to to enroll them in this process and, and part of that conversation is why I wanted this to be different and how I was hopeful that a leadership development program, what that could really mean for them as, as leaders in the firm and as, and as people generally. I mean, and offer, this is really, I saw as an opportunity to just become more effective as a person, as a lawyer, as a spouse, as a father, as a brother, you know, in so many, in so many uh, mm-hmm. roles of life. Um, go ahead. Well, I'm going to say that it's actually time for us to take our first break. So we will do that right now. When we come back, John, I'd like to invite you to um, to talk a little bit about the actual vision that the firm created. And then I'd like to move to t- discussion about values and how values are shaping the future at Miles and Stockbridge. Does that sound good? Sounds fine. All right. This is Kate Ebner. You're listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. My guest is John Frisch, chairman of Miles and Stockbridge, and we'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Founded in 2012. 
The Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, research, and education about the nature and requirements of leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop and sustain worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches dedicated to awakening, engaging, and supporting the leadership required in the world today to create a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer three cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching, the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership, and a Certificate in Facilitation. We also offer a range of ICF Certified Advanced Coach Education courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email itlprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host. Good morning. This is Kate Ebner, and my guest today is John Frisch. He is the chairman of Miles and Stockbridge Law Firm. John and I were talking before the first break about um, what he's doing at Miles and Stockbridge and what it's requiring of him as a leader and what he's invited the firm to participate in. Um, I said before the break, John, that we would return and talk about the vision of the firm that was created by this group of lawyers, and I'm uh, very intrigued to hear you describe that future story. Um, Go ahead, Tell us about the future. So I, I think if we're successful in 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 what we're we've embarked on here, uh, in 2020 we will really have a um, will be a what I would say a regional powerhouse where we would have grown from um, really owning Maryland as a market uh, to a, a much more mid-Atlantic regional focus. We have a significant office in Washington and office in Northern Virginia, and we see growing both of those offices and perhaps expanding into some other cities to, to have a much a, a, a bit of a larger geographic footprint around real core areas of strength in the firm. So we have four or five significant uh, key areas of, of practice strength that we have developed regional and even national reputations for. So we would like to continue to build on that. We also think that what will differentiate us will be a very uh, significant and different client experience. So we're doing a lot of work uh, 
or we're sort of co-designing uh, our lawyers, our staff with a client advisory board, uh, just uh, thinking about how to um, deliver a really, really optimal and, and truly you know, miles in Stockbridge client experience that differentiates us and separate and sets us apart. We're also the, the third leg of the stool, so the, the, the three legs that we think about are building on strengths, client experience, and then the third part of our vision is, is uh, being known for operational excellence. But that really, uh, from our perspective, really it, um, involves bringing core values to life in a very deep way across the firm such that the firm is a best place to work in a values-driven culture and we've become the most diverse firm uh, in our marketplace. Diversity is a significant, has, has historically been a significant core value as a firm and is something that we've devoted, have devoted and intend to devote a continued amount of, of time to. Oh, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, as uh, you know, I know that you're working across all three of those um, pillars of, of your strategy, um, building on strengths, um, the client experience in a, in a special way, and then also um, that operational excellence piece. And, you know, what do you see, you know, as you as you roll this out and, and call people to action, um, develop them as leaders? How's it going? Well, I would say one of the things that already distinguishes this this planning and strategic effort is the progress that we've made. So we have been communicating very regularly with our colleagues uh, in the firm. We recently had a a, a meeting of a, a whole a very very large meeting where we gave a progress report on our on the progress that we've made, and I've had so much feedback since from colleagues who said, you know, wow, we're really we're really doing this. We're really in, engaged in this. This has deep engagement across the firm. I think a significant part of that has been this is being this is being so well led by you know the 25 leaders that I mentioned earlier. I mean, this is really a, a, there is such a deep level of commitment to doing this across the firm that is just deepening. You know, as we as we move more fully into this, um, that I'm re- I, I'm just so gratified by the. The, the leadership and the effort that folks in our firm are, are putting into this. So seeing deepening engagement, um, the client experience is something that we think is going to be very, very powerful. When we, uh, when we began our vision work, we uh, did a bunch of interviews and surveys of clients and, dis- and discovered that this was no surprise to us, but that when we're in our best, we bring a level of care and concern to clients that they don't experience with other law firms or other service providers. And so we really wanted to sort of ramp that up and put that on steroids, if you will, and make that the distinguishing characteristic. And that that really resonates. Um, I think that is increasingly resonating in the hearts and minds of of colleagues at Miles and Stockbridge. Well, that's exciting, actually, to, to hear you say that. And so, you know, I think about, <laughs> you know, we think about transformation, we often think of it in terms of a shift from one way to another way. So from perhaps skeptical to engaged, you know, from, um, question, you know, questioning the future to seeing the future. And it looks, it, I, I, it would be fun to just play with the idea of a shift happening from one way to another. Um, any comment on that idea? Yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's right. I, I think um, 
I think part of it, it's a heart and mind job. You know, you certainly have, um, uh, certainly the, the practice of law is, is a significantly an intellectual exercise, but there is this piece of it, there's this, there's this heart that folks, you know, I think everyone uh, has a desire to um, make a difference and find meaning somewhere in their life. And if, I think if we're successful in creating a culture and expectations and a way of doing business and, um, and being with each other in community every day and with our clients that fosters that greater sense of making a difference, um, you, you can really, sh- that's a huge shift and you can really see a shift from it feeling like work to feeling like this really matters. And uh, we're really trying to, to get to the this really matters uh, place in a in a hurry. Hmm. You know, it, it, it's something I ref, I think I referred to in our opening uh, remarks as we started today's show. But as I think about the um, the firm called Miles and Stockbridge, you mentioned the word values as you were talking about um, the future, and. I know that your firm actually was uh, grounded in values from its very founding story. And I would love to invite you for a moment to just talk about how values have shaped the culture of Miles and Stockbridge in the past. And we can talk a little bit more together about the future, but let's start with the past. Well, I, I would say that the, when, when we did our vision and strategic plan work, one of the things um, that we did uh, – at your suggestion, which was an excellent one, was to take a look at our past and our history so that we could understand more deeply things that we wanted to learn from or to carry and to carry forward from our past, as well as things that we would want to leave behind. Um, and as as just it was just fortuitous that someone in the firm, a, a historian in the firm, had been doing a lot of work on our firm history and was in a position to share with us uh, information that many of us had not been aware of. And so uh, that was very powerful to us. We we learned of a number of values uh, that the firm has always had in its past. The the chief among them is this notion of diversity and inclusion. So uh, the the firm's founder Clarence Miles, who uh, perhaps was best known for bringing the Baltimore Orioles to from St. Louis to Baltimore, uh, was um, incredibly progressive in his thinking about diversity and inclusion. And so he founded, for example, he founded the University of Baltimore uh, because at the time um, the University of Maryland did not admit women, and he wanted to have a law school in town that admitted women. Uh, he also um, was the founder of the Center Club, which is uh, the leading a business club for lunch and dinner and business club activities um, in Baltimore. And at the time, uh, there were no clubs that admitted people of color, women, or uh, certain people from who with certain faith traditions uh, into, into clubs like that in Baltimore. So it was founded on being a diverse club. He also played an extraordinary role in desegregating of the Eastern Shore, and when you fast forwarded it into the into the 70s and 80s, the firm was always at the forefront of of um, diversity efforts. Um, one of the first firms in Baltimore with African American uh, equity partners, uh, gay, openly gay and lesbian lawyers on our board, women on on our boards of directors and governance. So, um, so we've always been at the forefront of that, and that's a value that we've 
carried on and you know very seriously. That's an example of that. I would say we've always had uh, a value of of treating others with respect and not a, with a lot of hierarchical distinctions in the workplace and and trying to enjoy as much of our time together as possible. Life's too short not to have fun when you're in a work environment. And as a result of that, we have you know 20 lawyers in the firm today that have left and returned uh, because the firm um, has such a, a special workplace culture. Well, thank you for, for, for sharing those, those values. And I mean, it really is a remarkable history. And um, I often find in my work and uh, I just want to refer to this for those listening because your your own organization has a founding story too, and that founding story probably contains within it the purpose, uh, the values, the the reason for being uh, for your organization. And so often we we kind of go to move into the future, and we we forget to look backward to understand who we've been and why. Um, in the case of Miles and Stockbridge, I know it was a really um, inspiring and um, fortifying to, to hear that history and understand the kind of leadership that the firm's founders provided, not only inside the firm, but actually in, in, in Maryland and, and for the country. And I want to talk for a moment about diversity. Recently, you were named as one of the top places, I think second top to top places for black attorneys to work in the country. Uh, what does this mean to you? Well, we're really, first of all, we're proud to be recognized in that way. We have uh, really been focusing on diversity and inclusion. You know, Verne Myers, uh, a leading diversity uh, consultant, someone we've come to know and respect a lot, says diversity is is inviting people to the dance. Inclusion is when they feel comfortable enough to dance. And so, we we think diversity and inclusion are are two distinct things, and we we want to drive both of those in the organization. I think we've been successful uh, because we have made it. A significant priority. Uh, we measure it. We uh, we're very aggressive in our in our lateral and other hiring. So, for example, we the we put a the Miles and Stockbridge version of the Rooney Rule in effect. You'll those of you are familiar with the National Football League will know that the Rooney Rule is the rule that says national football teams have to interview uh, a, a coach a, a coaching prospect of color before they make a hire, and we adopted that same rule in our hiring as it relates to diverse candidates so we don't make hires unless we've 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 um, interviewed diverse candidates for the position and as a result we've just seen significant increases in the number of diverse lawyers that we've added to our ranks we're doing a significant amount of work um, through uh, trying to improve mentoring programs leadership development other uh, efforts in the firm to be sure that diverse lawyers who come to Miles and Stockbridge stay at Miles and Stockbridge and thrive at Miles and Stockbridge. You know, it's, it's um, I don't know, there's, it's, 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 it's such a big topic in organizations today is about how to find and recruit and retain um, diverse talent. And really, for many companies, it's about catching up. You know, so this is um, really helpful and interesting to hear you talk about. And congratulations for your for your um, success with this, and, and good luck as you go forward. Uh, I want to ask you, John. You know, you've been leading this firm now for 13 years in the role of chairman. You've uh, recently engaged in a multi-year investment in the future of the firm. Um, you've won this important award. You have a lot of momentum going, and I'm. 
I'm, I want to ask you a personal question, which is, um, what does this mean to you? Well, it's, um, I'm really, that's a really good question. We've been so busy, (laughs) we've been so busy doing so much of this, I haven't really reflected on that. Um, I would say a couple of things. I, um, I think purpose is really an important thing. And um, I think it was, I think it was, um, Mark Twain, who said, you know, the two most important days of the life are, are the day you're born and the day that you discover why. And what's been really gratifying to me is this is, as, as I've done my own personal work as a leader and the firm's work has, has, has um, all of the, the work that the firm is doing in the leadership areas, these, these areas are sort of coinciding. So I've, I, really, I really deeply value myself personally this idea of personal growth and and becoming uh, who you are and helping others, really discovering who they're meant to be and and, and having their ability to bring to bring their unique gifts and talents uh, to bear fully uh, at the firm and fully in their lives. And it's been really satisfying to watch um, leaders in the firm discover their leadership voice, which I think is discovering their own voice. People really. Um, um, being much more comfortable or discovering more who they are and and their gifts and their talents and being free to bring that to the firm uh, in a more effective way. And so just the, you know, authentic, authenticity is probably an overused word in leadership circles, but but watching watching the firm become sort of more authentic for the leaders to become more authentic, for folks to just deeply engage really care about their work and and have an impact has been really gratifying to see. I'm really blessed to have this uh, to have a group of of fellow leaders who are so devoted to the firm, devoted to each other, supporting each other, supporting each other in their growth. Um, it's really been exciting to be to be a part of of this leadership group. You know John, we only have a minute till we take a break, but I'm curious when you started out, I mean, did you think it would come out this way? And what, did you feel like you were taking a risk? I, um, I suppose that there was there was certainly a risk with the emphasis on leadership and not knowing the extent to which uh, that would be embraced. This is really a longer conversation, and perhaps after the break, we can talk a little bit about how how some of this how some of this emerged. I mean, just about how um, how. It, how powerful it was to have this group sort of come together and work together and have, have what's emerged emerge in the firm. I think that would be a great thing for us to cover over the break. And I'd also like, for those who are listening, I hope you'll stay with us. I want to hear you, John, talk a little bit about um, leadership in the context of Baltimore City, which I know is something you've been concerned about and have been involved with and I think is an extension of the work that you do as a leader at Miles and Stockbridge. So we're going to take a break right now. This is Kate Ebner. My guest, John Frisch, is the chairman at Miles and Stockbridge. And we will be right back after this break.
markets up or down. Or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, research, and education about the nature and requirements of leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop and sustain worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches dedicated to awakening, engaging, and supporting the leadership required in the world today to create a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer three cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching, the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership, and a Certificate in Facilitation. We also offer a range of ICF-certified advanced coach education courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email itlprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host. Welcome back for our third and final segment of, of today's podcast. My guest, John Frisch, has been talking with us about what it's like to um, take a, an entire firm on a transformational journey from uh, a recessionary time in 2008 to the present day, and especially about the work he's been doing in recent years to, to bring people with him. Uh, we've been talking about values, and we've been talking about diversity, and we've been talking about leadership, both John's leadership and also that that he's calling for from others in the firm. And John, before the break, I asked you, um, when you started down this path, you know, did you feel any risk in, uh, in putting this on the table, especially in the law firm, and your answer was um, was was a good one. And and I, and we said we'd come back after the break and talk more about it. And when I think about um, this idea of risk, especially with, with regards to what you said earlier about the nature of law firms and lawyers, <laughs> I'm curious about how how you can tell how can you tell that you're succeeding or at least that you're gaining traction with what you're doing. Well, it, this has been 
this has been among the most satisfying and heartening work of my career. When I really had my this my own personal focus on leadership and growth, and and saw what that had meant to me as a as a person, I really I really wanted others in the firm to have the benefit of this this growth and this and uh, this ability to have more of an impact both in and outside of work and all of your relationships. And so, what I would say has been satisfying and how I know that this is making a difference is first and foremost, we're executing. So when I report out to the firm the results of against our plan, we're doing what we said we were going to do uh, by the time uh, we agreed that we would do it. And that has not happened before in our firm, frankly. So we are, are really doing a great job at execution. Uh, second, uh, it's translating into the firm's financial results. So we're uh, off to a, a tremendous start this year, and we're really seeing improved financial performance as a result of it um, uh, this year. Uh, the third thing that I would say is the the members of the leadership group have really, many of the members in that group have really taken to this leadership work. They have come to me um, privately. Many of them have said uh, that the work we've done on leadership development has been the most important work uh, that they've done in the firm, the most significant work that they've done uh, in in their you know in their life as a as a as a part of the firm. They're reporting out uh, differences in how they're able to lead in their groups. They're reporting out positive differences in their relationships with spouses and and children. Um, so I would say all of that together, and you know, we we uh, this part of this leadership development program. As I said, there are about 25 folks in it. A big component of this, in addition to classroom work that we had once a week, once a month, I should say, at the firm, a half to a full day of work uh, once a month at the firm, each of our leaders had an extraordinary leadership coach. And what was particularly heartening is when the nine-month coaching period ended, uh, more than 10, I think 10 or 11 of our uh, leaders uh, asked me if they could continue their coaching, which I just think is a tremendous, you know, validation of of how how meaningful this work can be. Well, thank you, thank you for sharing that. And you know, I, I'm struck by how uh, fortunate people are to have a leader who, uh, like you, is uh, is interested in sharing what you're learning as you are. And um, I'm it's it's heartening and it's motivating and inspiring. Um, I'm curious, John, what inspires you? You know, um, I think this personal sense of purpose really, really inspires me. I, it, as, a, as, as a result of the work, um, some of the coaching work that you and I did together and uh, a lot of really deep reflection that, um, that you helped me with, I, I've, I've, I landed on it at one point. I came across this quote um, by Carl Jung that just speaks volumes to me where he said, you know, the privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. And I, it really inspires me to watch colleagues grow and to watch them step into leadership and step into situations and have impact in ways that they haven't before and to derive great satisfaction from that. You know, so many people in the world come into the business world and believe that they have to behave a certain way. And they pick up all of these false sort of masks. You know, it's kind of like you, uh, you know, button up uh, your 
your shirt or your blouse and pick up a briefcase and you know you come to work and behave and in certain ways and i've i've seen young colleagues or where i where i i've experienced young colleagues where they sound like uh, more senior folks in their group they talk like them the same cadence the same language and it, they're not being true to who they really are and having you know creating an atmosphere giving folks the opportunity to learn and expand and grow and to discover their own true voice and bring that to bear in their work with clients in their work as a leader in their relationships you know, their most important relationships in their lives, I think is a really inspiring thing to be part of. I'm reflecting about actually, John, listening to you, about the way your own leadership has expanded and your own perspective of yourself. And, you know, what I want to say also is that, um, you know, I, I... I hope that in sharing your story, um, I don't appear to be self-serving in in sharing a story that I was a part of, but I want to say also that in all the work I do in organizations with leaders, it's quite rare to find a leader who is as committed to uh, the deep work of leadership development as you have been. And I want to acknowledge that and uh, let people listening know that that's one of the reasons we really wanted to share this story because it is possible to lead change and it's also an important takeaway perhaps that it's something not, that you don't need to do by yourself. You can actually do it by um, investing in and developing uh, a whole generation of future leaders. And I, I'm curious about the work you've been doing now with values. I mean, Miles and Stockbridge had, I think, seven kind of very clear values that have been uh, sort of uh, up on the website and on the wall for a long time. Right now, you're in the middle of a values refresh, John. Um, can you just say a little bit about about what you're looking to do? I know you're involving m- the whole firm. So, as I mentioned earlier, we've we've always been a values based firm and have taken pride in that. Um, we really want to be a very very special place uh, to work. We want to be seen as remarkably special by our clients. Uh, remarkably special by our colleagues. Um, and I think values are a really big, really big part of that. Um, I think if we get values right, uh, values um, really enable organizations to be operationally excellent and and to achieve uh, their highest aspirations. But if, if people come from a place of values, it takes so much noise out of the equation. If you have a clear set of values, it's almost like... Um, sort of grease, you know, the oil lubrication in a machine where, where the machine just runs and hums um, because, that, you know, everyone knows what's expected in, in kind of core key ways about how they bring themselves into an organization and carry themselves uh, into an organization and into their client work um, each and every day. Uh, so we wanted to get very clear on that. And so we've been, um, our leadership group spent a lot of time thinking about their personal values and then the firm's values uh, at, at great length. And after we did that work, uh, reached the conclusion that we should reach out to the firm at large uh, to seek input on the firm's values. What, what are the values that we currently operate under? How, what are values we'd like to operate under? And we've done that with a series of workshops where we focus on sort of moments that are proud for the firm, moments that are not as proud for the firm, where the firm has fallen down and perhaps uh, not uh, lived up to values in certain instances. And this is really enabling us to get a much clearer picture of of who we are, areas that we need to focus on, and a common 
sort of a common ground and a common um, common sense of the of the the really true core values that animate the firm. Well, thank you, thank you for sharing. It sounds like that's a, a work in process, and I want to. I know we have a lot to talk about. I really feel like we could do a whole other hour, <laughs> but we have just a few more minutes. And I promise that you would talk a little bit about what's happening in Baltimore, and the role that you've been playing there, and what you see maybe is the potential for Baltimore. Well, that's a that's a whole other hour. Is is right. Um, so I have been really fortunate. Uh, the firm. One of the firm's values, founding values, has been to make a significant difference in its in the in its community, and um, and so what's what's very interesting is how this is kind of all coming together. So I have um, several several significant leadership uh, roles in the city. I, I presently my most significant role is that I chair Visit Baltimore, which is the uh, uh, tourism and convention center. Uh, bureau for the Baltimore Tourism and Convention Center industry, which has certainly is a significant. It's a significant economic driver for the city, and it's a sig- significantly important. Uh, and has been had its own set of challenges in the wake of the Freddie Gray unrest. Uh, and I would say that that uh, incident has led uh, Baltimore's uh, civic leaders to really come together to think much more deeply about the systemic issues uh, that that. Uh, really shined a very bright light on. Uh, and so there is, I think, a, a very different kind of resolve in the business community about thinking uh, more deeply, creatively, and innovatively about ways to address some of the more systemic issues of race and poverty and difference uh, that hold uh, you know, urban cities across the country across the country back. I'm very encouraged. The city has got remarkable, remarkable, Assets are remarkable. It's the one of the leading cities in the country for in terms of growth of millennials and a place that millennials want to be. Significant uh, population increase is underway in the city in terms of a residential base. So it's a very exciting time to be to be part of this. John, as we come to the end of our hour, I want to give you a chance to just give a short bit of advice to anyone who's listening and who would like to know how to get started on organizational or personal transformation? Well, um, I guess I would say a couple of things. Uh, it's not something that you need to do alone. I think that there's a, there can be a sense that leaders need to have all the answers and the leader has to lead from a position of, of knowing everything and, and being everything. And uh, I would say that that's clearly untrue. And I, I would encourage folks to surround themselves with the cadre of folks who are really going to get it done, and and uh, in in our case, this large group of leaders are significant thought leaders, significant leaders in the firm that are having the impact, and it's uh, it's just I'm so fortunate to be part of a group that is engaged in the way our leaders are engaged in, and so engaging a broad group of leaders I think is absolutely critical. The other thing is I think transformation of an organization um, happens, uh, can happen perhaps um, more effectively if you're undergoing a personal transformation yourself. And so I, anything, whether it's coaching, whether it's uh, a, a significant and intense leadership development program like the 
the Georgetown Institute for Transformational Leadership, uh, which I, a six-month course which I participated in that was really an, an extraordinary experience. Anything uh, like that so that you're, you're growing and you're, you're changing sort of as you're trying to change the organization. I think that sometimes uh, that change can, can reinforce itself. Thank you very much, John Frisch. Uh, we're so glad you were with us today. We're going to wrap up our show, and thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week. This is Kate Abner. You've been listening to Inside Transformational Leadership. Thank you for joining us this week on Inside Transformational Leadership. Please tune in for another edition next Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our programs, please visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. We'll talk again next week.